Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sermon Podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location where each week you'll hear a message designed to help you learn more about God, grow in your love for God and others so that you can go and live a life driven by faith. You and I live in a culture that is increasingly opposed to those who trust in God. And it can be a challenge to understand how we are to live in such a world. Right now, we are in a journey through the book of Daniel, learning how God calls us to live when surrounded by people who do not believe. As followers of Jesus, we believe that Jesus has come and that he's coming back again. The question we can ask ourselves is what are we supposed to do in the meantime? What do we do while we're living in the middle of those two events? Well, as we close the book of Daniel, Justin Joseph does a great job answering that question for us. It's an important topic, so I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you listen closely, because I believe God has something He would like to say to you. Good morning again. It's so good to see you all this morning. Uh, If we have not had a chance to meet, my name is Justin. I serve on our preaching team here at Mount Hope, and it's such a joy to see you today. Our pastor, Pastor Brian and Lori and their family, are off uh, having a restful week, a very well-deserved restful week away this week. And I'll be the first to admit, I miss them. I miss them on a day like this. But I'm so grateful to be here with you today uh, when it comes to serving God, especially to hear from God's Word this morning. If you have a Bible with you, or if you didn't bring one, that's totally fine. There's some pew Bibles, Bibles right in front of you and the seats right in front of you. And if you want to open up to page 750, we'll be in the book of Daniel. We'll be wrapping up the book of Daniel today. If you've been with us the last few weeks, you know we've been in a sermon series where we've been looking through this incredible book of the Bible that talks about not only what life in exile is like or how to follow God when no one else does, but now we've come to the latter half of the book and we're dealing with some heavy, heavy prophecy and things to come and how the end of times will be. And so we're uncovering a lot of these different things as we're looking in the book of Daniel at this time. So if you've got your finger in those pages, Hold on right there for a little bit. We'll be in the book of Daniel very soon. I want to tell you guys something about my life this week. Today, I turned 39 years and 362 days old. In three days, I am going to hit something of a threshold in my life. It's the age of 40, and for some of you who are over the age of 40, you're probably thinking, whatever, that's really young, and for those of you who are way below it, you're thinking that's really old, or whatever it is. 40 is an interesting time in the lives of people, and in fact, there's a lot of data that goes with this assessment. Something happens when you turn 40. Something happens when you hit that age range of your life. And in fact, social scientists have been plotting this for many, many years. They've been looking at this data. And they've found that in many, many cases, in fact, this is not just an American thing, this is very global, that something happens to people and their happiness around the age of 40. Now, there's a phrase that was coined many decades ago, the phrase midlife crisis. You might remember that phrase, but there's this feeling of, look, half my life has passed and I'm either very happy with it or I'm very disappointed in it, and now there's only half left and I'm trying to look at, am I happy, am I disappointed? And there's all kinds of feelings that flood into a person's life at a time when they're hitting this interesting age. The data shows like this. It's almost like a perfect U-curve. In childhood, our happiness tends to be very high. 
And then right around our 20s, we start to see our happiness start to drop a little bit. And in our 30s, it actually drops further. And then for some reason, and this is not for everyone, but for many people, it plateaus. It hits its lowest point at the age of 40. And that's interesting. At the age of 40, it hits its low point and then starts to go back up again at 50, 60, 70, and so on. And so what we see is why is this you, why does this curve happen? And like I said, it's not just an American thing. 80 countries were studied in a recent survey, and in 55 of them, people found their lowest point to be between the age of roughly 38 and 46. They found their lowest point in life, and that's fascinating. What is it about the middle? What is it about the midpoint that can be so hard to figure out what am I supposed to do, how am I supposed to do it? There's something that happens. It's interesting. Some of the data shows that especially among men who turn 40, they commit more crime, especially financial crime, after the age of 40. They found that they make worse investments after the age of 40. They make a lot of moral mistakes after the age of 40. Why does that happen? Something happens in the middle that forces us to wonder, how am I supposed to behave going forward? There's something about the middle. I think about all of my commutes to Boston when I used to take the train. I remember standing on a platform, rushing to get onto a train. And what's that worst situation that happens? You run, and the door closes right as you get there, and now you're forced to wait with these hundreds of other people for four, five, six, maybe ten years before the next train comes, and... All of this is happening while you're waiting in the middle. Look, something has come and gone. I'm waiting for something else, and now we're in the middle waiting. And no one knows what to do when you're waiting, do they? Some people are looking down at their phones, sending texts, emails, crushing candy, closing deals, whatever they're doing on their phones. Others are talking. Some others are just looking straight ahead. Others are looking down the tunnel. Where's that train coming? And there's this constant wonder, what am I supposed to do in the middle? What am I supposed to do between the train that left and the train that is to come? And that is the segue into Daniel chapters 10 through 12 that we have coming up. What are we supposed to do? Between that which is and that which is to come, what are you and I supposed to do in the middle? If you've been with us these last few weeks, you know the book of Daniel has been pretty incredible, if you ask me. It's done a lot for my life. It's taught me a lot more about what God is calling us to do and how to live when the people around us don't necessarily believe what we believe. How are we supposed to live? If you remember, Daniel was taken from his people brought into exile, away from Jerusalem, away from Israel and Judah, and brought to this land of Babylon and forced to live under this empire that they knew nothing about, they had nothing in common with. And chapter by chapter, we got to see how God led these young men through life in exile. And how they were able to stand for their faith even when no one else stood for it. How they were able to withstand fiery furnaces and lion's dens. How they were able to do all of this while living in the middle of exile. And today we come to the conclusion of that book in the final three chapters of the book of Daniel. We'll be in Daniel chapter 10, 11, but we'll keep our focus primarily in chapter 12 this morning. Rather than reading through all the verses, which by the way are some of the most incredible yet possibly confusing verses in all of scripture, let me give you a little background about what happens in Daniel chapter 10 and 11. 
I want to preface this by saying Daniel chapter 11 is without a doubt in my mind one of the most incredible chapters in all of the Bible, and I want to tell you why. Daniel chapter 11 is a prediction of what will take place within the next 500 years or so of when Daniel is writing it. It is a prediction of what will happen to the next great empire that's rising, which becomes the Greek empire, and how it will unfold. It talks about a young ruler that's coming, which we know is Alexander the Great. And in perfect detail, and I want to tell you how perfect, if you took Daniel chapter 11 and laid it over a history book, it would match perfectly. That's how perfect Daniel's predictions in Daniel chapter 11 are about what comes over the next few hundred years incredible prophecies about the very specifics of kings and kingdoms, when they will rise, when they will fall, how they will rise, how they will fall. It is incredible. In fact, for many critics of the Bible, for many atheists, this is the chapter they struggle with the most. How was Daniel able to predict world events so perfectly before they happened unless there's a God somewhere behind the scenes doing all of that predicting. And so it's one of the toughest chapters for people who don't believe in the Bible. Daniel chapter 11 is followed then by Daniel chapter 12, a time that has not yet come. We are living right now somewhere between Daniel chapter 11 and Daniel chapter 12. And in chapter 12, Daniel has a vision, and Daniel is conversing with an angel, an angel named Michael he's conversing with. And the conversation they have is what's captured in Daniel chapter 12. The angel tells Daniel that terrible times are coming, that the end of time is coming. I want to pause and stop there for a minute, but what is it about the end of times or when you hear the end of days that gets you either confused or excited or scared or whatever that feeling might be? Let me be honest, whether you're a believer in Christ or you think of God as the last thing you ever want to consider in your life, you do think about the end of times. You do think about the end of days. Think about it. Right now, I am not allowed to use a plastic straw in many places in this country because people are afraid of the end of days. I'm not allowed to get a plastic bag at Market Basket. Why? Because we're concerned about the end of days. So whether the end of days is the end of the earth, the end of the sun, the end of our universe, or, or the end of time, whatever it is, there's something about the end that makes us worried or makes us think or makes us act differently. And when we come to Daniel chapter 12, here's Daniel now dealing with an angel telling him about the end of time, about the end of days. And Daniel is told by the angel, Daniel, you have nothing to worry about. The God that led you throughout exile in Babylon, let me give you a little spoiler alert, Daniel. He wins in the end. He prevails. He triumphs. He rules everything. And you are a part of that triumph, Daniel. Everything is good now. And Daniel asks two questions in Daniel chapter 12. The first question is the question you and I often ask. When someone tells us about the end of the world or the end of time, there's a natural question that you and I have. What's the natural question? When will it happen? When is this going to happen? And Daniel asks the exact same question that you and I would likely ask in that moment. The angel gives him an answer. It tells him that there's some clues to when you can expect certain things to happen, but Daniel... If I told you the exact date, you still wouldn't understand. And so Daniel asks his first question. 
Daniel then asks a second question, which is very common to us when we hear about the end of time. And that second question is, how will it happen? What will the outcome of all of this be? How will it all end? And again, the angel gives him a small answer, but ultimately tells him, Daniel, you wouldn't get it if it came, and and I told you any more specifically, you wouldn't get it. So the angel gives Daniel another instruction, which we will get to in just a minute. And here's where I want us to look this morning as we live today between what is Daniel chapter 11 and what is to come, Daniel chapter 12. Between what is your life and my life on April 7th, 2019, and what is to come, the question we should be asking is not when will it happen or how will it happen. The question that you and I need to be asking every single day is, God, what do you want me to do between now and when it happens? The question that should be flooding our hearts this morning is simply this, how should I live between what is and what is to come? And it's interesting, Daniel doesn't ask the question, but every answer that the angel gives him is the answer to that question. How should I live between what is and what is to come? Here's what I know. I know that the God who predicted all of Daniel chapter 11 and made it come true perfectly also predicted an amazing ending for the followers of God. And that will happen one day. But the question that we should be dealing with today, how should we live between now and what is to come? I think there are three things that that we struggle with that prevent us from addressing that question every single day. Three things that distract us away from dealing every day with God. What do you want me to do today? How do you want me to live today? There are three things, and I think the first one is that we often get stuck. Ask yourself this. Why am I not spending my time on the things of God day by day? Why am I spending my time on other things? Why am I growing complacent? Why am I just staring off into the distance when God has called me to live a certain way between what is and what is to come? I think it's because we get stuck. We know the truth, but we get stuck. We get stuck in our routines. We get stuck in our patterns. We get stuck in our relationships. We get stuck, and so we don't use our time for God. We get stuck in what it is that we're doing, and as a result, time goes by, and time goes by, and time goes by, and before you know it, we look back, and we say, wait, what did I do with my life? Why didn't I serve God more? Why didn't I spend more time with others? Why didn't I lead more people to Christ? Because we get stuck. In Acts chapter 1, there's this incredible moment in history when Jesus has died and been buried and resurrected and he spends a few weeks with his disciples and then he ascends back into heaven. In that moment, his followers have gathered on a hill and they look up into the sky as Jesus is taken up into the sky. And what happens next? There are two men in the sky, two angels in the sky who look back at the the followers and they say like this, men of Galilee, why do you look and stare up into the heavens? This same Jesus who was taken from you will come again in the same way. Why is the angel telling them, stop looking? Because they were stuck in that moment. They were stuck, fixated on this Lord who just ascended. And the angel quickly tells them, yes, you just saw something that almost no one has ever seen in history. But now go and do what you're supposed to do. Get to work at this point. 
So many of us get stuck in our little lives and stuck in our kingdoms that we're not accomplishing what God has set us out to accomplish. So I think we get stuck, but I also think that we sometimes get stressed. I think we sometimes get filled with stress and anxiety and busyness that we miss what God has called us to do. What are we supposed to do in the middle between what is and what is to come? If you look at our lives, you would think this is what we were supposed to do. Run back and forth. Prioritize our kingdoms. Prioritize our jobs. Prioritize our families and our lives. Prioritize our world and let it all pass by because we're so fixated on being busy that we are not paying attention to what God has called us to do. One of my favorite movies is a movie called The Shawshank Redemption. How many of you have seen that movie? And you remember there's this epic conversations that take place between Andy Dufresne and Red, these two friends who meet in prison. And one of my favorite quotes is a quote when Andy talks to Red about how do you get through life in prison. And he says, I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living or get busy dying. And I think this captures what happens to us in the church in the 21st century. We're busy. There's no doubt about it we're busy. But I ask you this morning, are you busy living or are you busy dying? Are you busy just being busy or are you busy doing the things that we're called to do in the middle between what is and what is to come? It's so easy to get so stressed and worked up about what's happening day to day in life that we completely miss what God is doing and what God wants to do through us. That's why Anne's story is so incredible. That's why David's story is so incredible. Because it's not just about being busy. It's about busy, getting busy with the things of God in the time that we have. Here's what the angel is telling Daniel. You have lived through one of the most important times in Israel's history, Daniel. But there is a time coming. There is a time coming. And as a result, you have to take care of certain things in between now and the time that is coming. And that call is the same for you and me this morning. What are we doing with the time that we have? We don't know how much time that is. What are we doing with the time that we have? You see, I think we get stuck. We have a tendency to get stressed. But I think we also have a tendency to get sidetracked. To completely lose focus on what we're supposed to be focused on. We'll find other things to prioritize, other things to prefer, other things that we get distracted and all the conflicting priorities suddenly give us a way to not focus on God anymore. Instead, we're focused on things that don't matter at all. I ask you this morning, where are you stuck? Where are you stressed? Where are you sidetracked? And as a result, you are not accomplishing what God has called you to accomplish. When Daniel asks those two important questions to the angel, he says, when will it happen and how will it look when it happens? Two times in Daniel chapter 12, the angel gives Daniel the same answer. It's three words. He says, Daniel, go your way. Go your way. What does that mean? Go your way. Now, it's very easy for us in 21st century America to read go your way using our lenses and our ears and hear that. Does that mean go have it your way? Does it mean go your own way? Does it mean you do you, go live your life, enjoy life? Is that what that means? If you heard it the way Daniel would have heard it, it would have meant one simple truth. 
Daniel, you have lived your life and seen the hand of God in your life. Now go be who God has created you to be. Now go live the way God has called you to live. Now go speak the truth of God and lead many people to righteousness. Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 is the summary of go your way. In Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 we read like this. And Lester, if you wouldn't mind putting that verse up on the screen. Daniel 12 verse 3 it says, Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Between what is and what is to come, you and I have a call. Go your way. Do this. Be wise and lead people to righteousness. Be wise and lead people to righteousness. That's it. That's what God has called us to do. When you and I live in the Boston area in 21st century United States, when we're living here, this is the call between what is and what is to come. Be wise and lead others to righteousness. But what happens is we get stuck, we get stressed, and we get sidetracked, and we lose sight of what God has called us to do. All he's saying for us, Go your way. Go be who God has called you to be. Go lead people to righteousness. When we were taking communion earlier, I mentioned the 9-11 Memorial and Museum. And there was this moment when we were there that really caught my attention. There's a tree planted right outside of the memorial that looks like this. And you can tell which one I'm talking about. The one that looks very different from all the other trees. It's roped off at the bottom. It's a very sacred and important part of the entire memorial. It's what's called the survivor tree. And the survivor tree is so important because it has a story that's so important. After the tragic events of September 11th, 2001, when the first responders had spent weeks picking through rubble and looking for any signs of life, they came to a point where they decided, look, there's probably no longer going to be a rescue mission. This is now a recovery mission. And it was a major turning point in the, entire, in the entire process. As they were digging, some of the first responders saw a tree. It was a tree that was near ground zero that had been crushed by the debris. The tree was actually cut completely in half because of the metal beams that had fallen down on top of it. But here was the truth. The tree was still actually alive. And that was remarkable in and of itself. This living tree was now considered the last living thing that would be taken from the debris. And so quickly, these responders took the tree from the debris and they sent it to a nursery in the Bronx that carefully and painstakingly took care of the tree and nursed it back to health. And over time, the tree actually started to grow and develop. It took years. But eventually, that tree was brought back to health and planted in the middle of the memorial. And that tree, which is known as the survivor tree, is a memorial to the survivors of that tragic day. Now, here's what makes the survivor tree story so special to me. Ever since that day, the, set, the seeds and saplings of the tree have been collected, and they've been stored. Every time a tragedy takes place around the United States or the world, so when a mass shooting takes place or an act of terrorism takes place somewhere, the seeds are sent to that town and that community and a new tree is planted off of the survivor tree. The survivor tree is a story for you and me because this is what we're meant to be. That you and I were saved from nothing. We were saved, we were given a truth that no one else really had access to. We were given that. 
And we were blessed with that. Now we are called to go and plant our seed, plant that seed of God all over the world in places where there's tragedy and where there's good news and where there's bad news to go and let the word of God spread. But here's what happens instead. We get stuck, we get stressed, we get sidetracked, and as a result, the work of God goes unfinished. What are you and I supposed to do between what is and what is to come? It's simple. Go your way. Lead people to righteousness. Live wise lives and lead people to righteousness. Daniel chapter 12 is the end of the book of Daniel. Daniel, who lived with what I think is one of the most incredible lives in all of history, who came from nothing, from Judah, walked from exile into this country known as Babylon, rises to the highest levels of power, outlives multiple kings and their empires, predicts the future of the world to perfection, and then predicts things that are still to come. That Daniel, in Daniel chapter 12, he's given a scroll. The scroll is the words of what is to come. It's the fulfillment of all of these things. I wish we had hours to go into this. This is one of the most incredible moments in Scripture. Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, it says like this, But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. And that's it. Daniel, we gave you everything that we can give you now. Roll up the words of the scroll and wait until the end, but go your way and live as God called you to live. It would be pretty crazy if that was the end of the story, and that was it. But the truth is, the story doesn't actually end there. 500 years after Daniel, many of his prophecies come true in the form of Jesus Christ. And Jesus has a group of followers. If you remember, we call them the disciples, 12 of them. One of those disciples who was close to Jesus would one day be persecuted and tortured for his faith in Jesus Christ. That disciple by the name of John would be exiled. Remember that word. Would be exiled to a little island off the coast of Greece where he would receive visions about the end times. And in one of those visions, he writes down in Revelation chapter 5, and we read there like this. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. This is the scroll that Daniel seals up 500 years earlier. And that scroll will one day be opened. And John walks into this throne room vision of heaven and he looks around and everyone is looking for someone who is worthy to open that scroll. And what that means is someone who is worthy to fulfill all prophecy, someone who is, who is worthy to end all things, worthy to receive all worship and honor, someone more powerful than anyone else. We are looking and waiting for that someone to come. And John says in his vision in Revelation 5, I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside but the story does not end there, my friends. The next verse says like this, Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. 
See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. What happens in Revelation is a completion of what begins in Daniel, that no one was found worthy to open the scroll. No one was found powerful to end it all, to fulfill it all. And then they look, and there is one who is sitting at the right hand of the Father, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He rises up, and he takes the scroll in his hand, and he breaks the seal of the scroll, and he opens it up. It means he fulfills all prophecy. He fulfills all the words of God, and he comes before all of the beasts and the elders and all of those who cast their crowns down and the thousands upon ten thousands of angels who bow down before him singing worthy is the lamb that was slain worthy is he to receive all glory and honor and power and all wisdom be unto him because he is worthy of worship and praise what we do instead though is that we get stuck We get stressed, we get sidetracked, and we lose sight of the fact that the one who will open the scroll is the one that has your future and my future in the palm of his hand. And one day we will be in his presence and we will witness the king of kings opening the scroll once and for all, completing all of history and making this new world come about. And that one day we will fall before him and say, worthy is the lamb that was slain, worthy is he to receive all glory and honor and power. Amen. Daniel is standing there at the end of his life and he receives a simple instruction. Go your way. Go be who God has called you to be. And that's the call for you and me today. Go your way. Go be who God has called you to be. Lead many to righteousness. Live wise lives. Go your way. This week, I hope you will find some time in your lives to figure out what that means. To carve out an hour, 15 minutes, 10 minutes every morning to simply ask God, what is that way? What have you called me to do? I hope you will find some time to plan towards what you will do to lead people to righteousness. Now, here's the truth of the matter. Here's the simple fact of all of this. Now, all of us, myself included, are guilty of this. I will plan for my retirement. I'll plan for my career. I'll plan for my family, my kids and my grandkids. I'll plan for those things. But how many of us are spending time in every week planning to lead people to righteousness? If you wonder why we're stuck, stressed, and sidetracked, it's because we haven't built time in our schedules for the things of God. Build it into your lives. Build it into your schedule. One day you and I will stand in that throne room of God and we will see the scrolls being opened. One day you and I will see the King of Kings face to face. And what a glorious day that will be. But between what is and what is to come, you and I have a call. Go your way. Live the life that God has called you to live. I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward as we close out our time in worship this morning. I'll tell you the ultimate peace that we have while we are in the middle is knowing that God wins in the end. The ultimate peace that Daniel had was knowing that God wins. He saw God beat Nebuchadnezzar. He saw God beat Belshazzar and Darius and Cyrus and Xerxes and Ahasuerus. He saw them lose to this great God. 
And if God wins, if God prevails in the end, that means something to you and me right now. You and I are headed towards that victory. There's some work to get done in between. There's some work to be done in the middle. Go and lead people to righteousness. 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 Let's go lead people to righteousness. Maybe that means inviting someone to church this week. Maybe that means calling someone, encouraging someone, forgiving someone. Maybe that means simply witnessing about your own story to someone. But lead people to righteousness. I invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes in the presence of God this morning. If what we said today makes no sense to you today, that's okay. Maybe Jesus is not who you consider Lord right now. But don't let that opportunity pass. Today you have a chance to accept him into your heart as your king and as your Lord. To say, God, I give my life to you. If you win, I want to be on your team, God. If you prevail in the end, then I want to be with you, Lord. If that's where you are right now, and if you want to have that conversation, please come see me after service today, and I'd love to have that conversation with you. Don't leave without knowing Jesus as your Savior. But for the rest of you sitting here this morning, for myself included, if we are sitting here saying, look, I know what is, and I know what is to come, but I've been ignoring what I'm supposed to do in the middle, if that's where you find yourself right now, if you find yourself stuck, if you find yourself stressed or sidetracked, today's a morning to say, God, I want to come back to you today. I want to reprioritize what you prioritize, Lord. I want to build my life around you. I want to be who you created me to be. I want to go my way. I want to do what you asked me to do. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we give you thanks. When you died on that cross, you defeated death when you rose again. You forgave us our sins and you set us free, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you that you're not some distant God off in the heavens who doesn't care about us. God, we thank you because there's coming a day where you will break the seals and open the scroll and we will bow down before you and sing, worthy is the lamb that was slain. But until then, but until then, but until then, in the middle of it all, God, I ask that you would give us clarity on who we are supposed to be and what we are supposed to do in the middle. Help us to serve you. Help us to be wise. Help us to lead many to righteousness. Bless us now in our time of worship and as we close, use us for your glory in the week ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to rise to your feet as we close. Hey, thanks again for listening to the podcast from Mount Hope's Belmont location. At Mount Hope, we gather in Belmont every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. and in Burlington at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m each week that we gather. We do so to learn more about God, grow in our love of Him and others, and then we go to live lives driven by faith. 
If you live in the Burlington or Belmont, Massachusetts areas, we'd love for you to join us on a Sunday. You can learn more about us by visiting our website at mounthope.org, M-O-U-N-T-H-O-P-E dot O-R-G, or follow us on Twitter or Instagram at mthopebelmont. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to having you listen again next week.